find out more about topics like this one, please go to reliusmedia.com slash podcast where you can listen to other episodes. There, you also can subscribe to our informative publications, such as Healthcare Risk Management, and obtain CME or CE credits. Hi, folks. Thanks for joining us today for another episode of Rounds with Relias. I'm Carissa Johnson, and I'll be your host. We're going to explore the impact of treating opioid use disorder on providers and care teams and how providers can remain positive and combat uh, burnout and achieve better outcomes for patients and clients. Joining me today will be Dr. Carol Clayton. She's our Chief Translational Neuroscientist here at uh, Relias. Carol, can you tell us a bit about yourself and, and something about your background? Sure. Uh, I'm a psychologist by training. Um, so, you know, I entered the healthcare field now. I've got 30 plus years of experience, but, you know, really came into that role uh, as a psychologist right out of graduate school and, you know, did early work like many, many people do that was direct clinical practice. Uh, my area of focus and interest was really children and families. So I did a lot of work around psychological evaluations, assessment for learning disabilities and ADHD, and then eventually moved into uh, leadership and management roles uh, running child and family service agencies. Um, it's, it, and, and for me, uh, just moving more into systems uh, programs was a natural fit for me um, as I continued to uh, gain experience. and had the opportunity to run some uh, capitation, early, early capitation programs uh, for putting uh, uh, programs together mainly for Medicaid beneficiaries under a capitation plan and uh, so then cut my teeth really on health plan management. Um, and, uh, you know, it did some advocacy work. It brought me back into then, um, working for a data analytics company uh, and uh, in the area of behavioral health and particularly a focus on complex needs consumers, people who had multi-morbid conditions, you know, dealing with pain and psychiatric illness or dealing with substance use dependency, pain condition and mental health issues. Um, and really being able to take more of a science approach and data approach to um, helping people get better um, and have better life functioning, often in very difficult circumstances. So, you know, I brought all of that uh, together and am now uh, at Relias as the translational neuroscientist, Carissa, as you were indicating, and really what that means is um, helping Relias uh, bring in um, the advancement of technologies and the use of data to assist healthcare uh, providers, systems, payers get better at their care delivery and help consumers ultimately have better life outcomes um, and really doing that from a science-driven uh, place and uh, having learning, which is a really core solution for Relias, be as adaptive to the end learner in terms of their own competencies and skill sets relative to the population that they are treating um, and get the biggest value and bang um, out of the buck for um, 
uh, workforce development and learning. So I'm working behind the scenes uh, assisting with uh, creating really robust solutions in the marketplace to, um, you know, help us all get better at what we do. That was a long answer, Carissa, no. but, um, you know, but, but I've been around for a while, so what can I say? <laughs> I, I think it's excellent. It illustrates your background and, and is a good example of why we're going to discuss opioid use disorder, um, you know, burnout in yeah. providers and, and how they can remain optimistic um, as they continue to treat individuals with substance use yeah. disorders. Um, so, so let's get started on a couple of questions. Um, can you give us a brief background on where we're at in terms of treating the opioid crisis here in the United States right now? Well, you know, what I would say, I would say there's a, I'm going to go with the, let's talk about positives and then also continuing challenges. Um, I think from the positive view, um, clearly, there is national attention um, on this um, problem that we have in our country. Um, and so, always awareness um, leads to action, and we are, um, you know, really front and center with, um, you know, I think, you know, daily um, information that is coming out both through the news media as well as policymakers around the concern, uh, the impact of the opioid epidemic. Um, there has been federal attention, including monetary resources in the field to, um, you know, attempt to um, curb uh, the problem uh, for opioid um, use and dependency. So all of that awareness and attention is a really um, positive thing. I think that the, on the challenge side, um, you know, we continue to see, um, not to my awareness, any real change in the number of deaths daily um, from opioid um, uh, overdose, um, and still the number of drug overdoses, you know, that um, occur about two-thirds are um, related to opioid, the opioid um, uh, category, um, so we've not been added yet to really slow death and mortality. Uh, we certainly have seen changes in the number of scripts written. So we are seeing some changes in the number of um, prescriptions that are in the market uh, written to treat the pain condition. This is a positive and negative as well. Um, uh, curbing on the number of scripts written but in some instances, and certainly some of the concerns among healthcare professionals, is that that could be a sign of overreacting and actually um, not using the opioid medication when it is an appropriate use. Um, there is an appropriate use for the opioid medications, and so it's possible that we're actually just having a swing over-aggressive swing toward reduction on use of the medications appropriately, which then has its own downside effect of people struggling with pain, using high-end services to address it, and perhaps going to the streets to uh, use illicit drugs to curb their pain. So, 
um, you know, not out of the woods yet by any stretch um, of the imagination, um, but certainly um, focus within the healthcare community as well as the larger stakeholder community uh, in terms of awareness and recognition and really struggling with um, how to, how to, how to uh, improve um, our ability to um, address pain in our country and also treat folks with dependency. Yeah, excellent. Um, just to shift gears a little bit, uh, can you describe to the audience perhaps what, what motivates or why an individual might become uh, a healthcare provider or, you know, whether it's a substance use disorder treatment professional or another kind of provider? You know, at the end of the day, I bet if you surveyed, you know, all the healthcare providers and professionals, um, you're going to hear, you know, hands down, people go into the field to help others. Um, it is a helping profession, um, and people are driven into healthcare um, to um, uh, be able to uh, help other people, particularly in the area of substance use um, and recovery. Uh, there's a very strong um, uh, sense of um, desire if you have been someone who has lived through an experience of dependence and experienced recovery. Um, the ability to want to help others um, is very compelling, and the peer recovery movement is very strong um, in that particular um, area of healthcare. Um, but I think that it's also a general um, you know, driver for most people who work in healthcare. Yeah, and, and like any role, uh, reality probably doesn't totally meet expectation. Um, in your opinion, how does practice perhaps compare to what providers thought it would be? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, you might uh, be seeing also in the um, literature there's a very high focus now on um, healthcare professional burnout, uh, certainly physicians, but also clinicians. So as healthcare has become more of a business and less of a um, caring profession, if you will, um, that, that disconnect for the person who was going into the field to care for others relative to how they might spend their day, um, which is some about direct care, but more and more around administrative uh, duties, administrative burdens around uh, record keeping and billing and things that have to make the system tick um, have you know, led to um, you know, certainly burnout for people who are in the profession and also a diminishment of people who are interested in going into the profession. Um, so we've got, you know, some, some challenges there with, um, uh, you know, how, it, how the environment, the work environment for the healthcare professional actually matches and meets their, um, you know, what was their intrinsic drive uh, to become a healthcare profession, professional. Yeah, and, and burnout is certainly a hot topic in healthcare. Um, do you want to expand a little bit on maybe how treating opioid use disorder connects directly to the rise in burnout among providers? 
Anything come to mind? Yes, that, yeah, it, well, it does. Um, several things come to mind. Um, you know, I, let me stay on the administrative side for a minute. I think one of the biggest challenges um, that creates uh, or adds to uh, increasing burnout is that um, some of the rules and regulatory um, uh, sort of boundaries, if you will, related to what would be evidence-based practice and let's say specifically for medication-assisted treatment. Very well documented that medication-assisted treatment is a best course for persons with dependency. Um, however, to be um, certified as a medication-assisted treatment provider, meet the administrative requirements in terms of documentation and number of patients per um, provider, um, some of the onerousness of setting up the system itself can become um, a slog, right? So for the person who really wants to engage in evidence-based practice and set up their systems to do that, um, it, takes, um, it takes a lot of persistence um, and, and uh, you have to jump through a lot of hoops. Um, so, uh, you know, that's, that's a big part of, I think, this particular area of just putting the pieces together. Um, not always are the rates for service um, supporting a whole person approach. For those of you who work in this field or have had your own lived experience, you know that opioid dependency does not live in isolation. Uh, for people who are uh, dependent, um, they often are, um, you know, experiencing pain, may have psychiatric overlay, might also be using other substances, may have some other chronic health conditions that have gone untreated. Um, and the ability to take that whole person approach in terms of your funding and being able to um, support yourself as a professional or as a business in providing that best practice service, sometimes the the revenues don't meet the, uh, you know, the cost, if you will. So all of that creates, you know, a sense of, um, you know, sort of burden, if you will. And then just combined with, you know, this consumer population, anytime you have a complexity of illness, um, as we see in this particular population, um, these are difficult people to um, uh, help get better. Um, the, 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 the path is long and arduous for that consumer. Um, there's many starts and stops, um, and that can become wearing on the professional as well, uh, just the nature of the folks that they are serving and trying to care for. Um, and, um, you know, it's like having your, if you have a family member who has a chronic condition or a substance dependency, you know what that experience is like. Um, so all of that kind of feeds into burnout and perhaps people shying away from, you know, the care and feeding of this uh, particular uh, population. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and to maybe... Let's uh, discuss perhaps a few takeaways for someone that might be listening. Um, maybe some ways that come to mind for you that providers treating opioid use disorder can avoid burnout and, and try to you know, remain positive while they're, they're treating 
patients and, and clients with, with opioid use disorder? Sure, I would, you know, I'll give you two or three things right off the top. I think um, uh, no, and similar to life and stress management, um, you know, I would say the biggest um, uh, way a provider can protect themselves from burnout is um, staying healthy themselves. And so being aware of their own stressors, their own um, emotional um, and a sort of burden, if you will, uh, the things that sort of create that stress for them, uh, making sure that they are taking a healthy lifestyle approach because, as you know, opioid dependency and pain is not um, exclusive to the healthcare provider community. Um, it affects all of us, and so the ability to have an awareness of um, uh, stress management, how to uh, treat our own selves in terms of our own health and fitness, managing our own pain so that um, we are also um, avoiding uh, over um, overuse of medications in situations where it's not warranted. Um, is, is probably the best um, inoculation uh, to burn out is just um, uh, having a sense of self-wellness, uh, uh, having a sense of wellness. Yeah. Um, I think sharing with others um, is also key. I think that um, at any time you're working with a difficult population, working within a system where you have other peers that are joining with you so you, you're not feeling the burden it's only on your shoulders that you are sharing a burden of responsibility across the collective and being able to call on your peers and other people who are in this with you is also an, another uh, key to um, avoiding burnout. Um, uh, you know, uh, from a reliance standpoint, I would say that, um, you know, people who are confident in their work and their knowledge base have less burnout. So making sure that you are um, operating at the top of your profession and that you are maintaining your skills and your knowledge base and that you have a strong sense of confidence in what you are doing, um, that has been research proven in terms of pe people handling stress on the job, um, and that's certainly relevant for um, this particular area is just maintaining high level of competency, um, being, you know, reading, staying abreast of new information, uh, using your resources for learning and opportunity um, that you have available to you. Wonderful. Um, I just knew you'd be the right person to discuss this topic with. That was fantastic. Well, and your time is well, so appreciated. Well, I hope it's been helpful. Well, you're, you're welcome. I hope for those listening that um, they've gotten some takeaways and uh, we'll keep uh, fighting, that, fighting that good fight out there. Excellent. Thank you so much, Carol. Thank you. To find out more about topics like this one, please go to reliasmedia.com slash podcast where you can listen to other episodes. There, you also can subscribe to our informative publications such as Hospital Employee Health and obtain CE credits. 
Thank you for listening to this podcast from Relias Media, where we empower healthcare providers to improve patient care and outcomes.